We'll be right back to the show after this. Been on the fence about adding digital products to your Etsy shop? We put together a free 60-minute workshop teaching you the basics of selling digital products on Etsy and what it's done for our business. We'll give you behind-the-scenes look into our product and marketing strategies and all the tools you need to get started. Sound good? Head over to goldcityventures.com workshop to register for free. That's goldcityventures.com workshop. Enjoy. Friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. everybody and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren and I'm so excited today to have a guest, Nicole Stevenson from Dear Handmade Life. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much, Lauren. I'm really excited to be here. And before we get started, I have to say I love the name of your podcast. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm a big fan as well. <laughs> <laughs> So Nicole, can you take a second to kind of introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do and what your big passion is? Sure. Uh, My name is Nicole Stevenson and I'm the CEO and creative director at Dear Handmade Life. And at Dear Handmade Life, we produce events and education and curate community for creatives and passionate small business owners. I think I finally have my elevator pitched down. (laughs) It's only taken me 14 years of having this business to figure out exactly what it is I do in this business. Yeah. So that's what we do. We curate, mostly we do a lot of events. So we have our patchwork show, which is a modern makers festival. We have shows throughout California. You can kind of think of it as Etsy come to life. So we have a bunch of makers, vendors, booths set up and food trucks and music and DIY crafting for the family. And it's a great community event. And then the second event, that was kind of how the business started. And then our second event that we added is our conference, Craftcation Conference. And that's a five-day conference for makers and business owners at the beach in California, in Southern California in Ventura. And over the course of the you know, five days, we have over 200 craft classes. So hands-on craft classes where you're learning everything from screen printing to how to make shoes to how to make perfume or jewelry or block printing or sewing. I mean, we've had stained glass. It varies every year So because we have some attendees that come back year after year. So we I mean, it's a different experience every year. And then we also have business classes. So some people are there just to hang out at the beach with cool people and craft. And then some people are there to build their business and they're taking our business classes in branding or pricing or mindset or work-life balance. And then we have wellness. So we have yoga and meditation. And then we have social stuff. So we have parties and dancing and like stitching sessions and, you know, crochet and beer tasting. And I mean, it is kind of like a choose your own adventure of (laughs) experience that you're creating on your own. And then a lot of people will come and do a little bit of everything. So they'll take some business classes and then they'll kind of tap into their other side and, you know, let their brains have a break and do something meditative and creative and take a creative class. And then, you know, they might skip a session and go down to the beach and hang out with their sketchbook or, you know, go to the bar and, you know, meet somebody that they followed online that they're finally meeting in real life and getting to have a conversation with in person. 
So that's our Craftcation conference. It's been on hiatus for a couple of years because of COVID, but we're really excited to come back in 2022. <laughs> it's hard because I'm, I'm always thinking about 2020 and then I'm like, we're in 2021, 2022. It seems like the past two years since COVID happened have been in a weird, I don't know about sci-fi, but some kind of a <laughs> sci-fi time loopy weird thing. Yeah. So those are our biggest events. And then we also have a blog and a podcast as well. And then we've just introduced the club, which is our members only community for creatives and small business owners to help them really turn their business from something that they're working for into something that's working for them. And this is born out of me being someone who worked for my business for many, many years. This business I've had for 14 years is not my first business. I had a handmade business before that. I learned the hard way on a lot of things because I started my businesses 20 years ago. There really wasn't internet. We were still on dial-up back then. <laughs> there just wasn't a community for yeah. me to get all the information that's readily available. So I want people to not have to learn the hard way. So that's what the club is all about. So it's Dear Handmade Life, the club, and it's a monthly membership. And at the time of this recording, membership is closed, but it, it opens every quarter. So, and it's, we made it super affordable. It's just under, a, right now, membership is just over a dollar a day. So it's very affordable for emerging business owners as well. And every month we have a business class where we bring in an expert. We have a group mentorship session where I am bringing in my, you know, 20 years of business knowledge to help people through their questions with individual attention. And then one of my favorite parts is we have a business boss book club. So each quarter we read a book. So knowing how busy we all are, it's not realistic to, you know, to add another one book a month on. So we read right. one book a quarter and it's a, you know, self-growth book or a business book. And it's really focused on, taking what we're learning in that book and then coming up with a plan to implement it into our lives and our businesses. Because I find myself, you know, I'm an underliner. So I'm always underlining the books and taking yeah. notes. But then there's that kind of disconnect between getting that information and actually putting it into action in your right. life and business. So that's what we're, it's kind of like an action oriented business club. So uh, that's the gist of, of what I do now. Uh, obviously, I'm super passionate about it. I'm realizing this as I'm talking, I'm, I'm noticing I'm smiling and I'm happy and I can't stop talking about it. So it feels really good to realize that after 14 years, I'm still this passionate about it. And I think that that is really what's that and community are behind what I do, because I want other people when they're, when somebody says, what do you do? I want them to feel the way I feel. It doesn't matter what you do, but it's how you're feeling about it. So whether they are working for someone else as a VA and doing their thing part-time on the side, whatever it is that you're doing, I want you to be just as excited about it because we spend most of our waking hours at work. And if we don't like our work, how are we supposed to like our lives? Right. Yeah. I love that so much. And I agree with you. Like, I'm really interested to have this conversation because I've been in business online for about, well, in the iteration that it is right now, nine years. But then I did have some like fumbling around internet businesses before that. And I feel like I started in like the dark ages of the internet. So I can only imagine what it feels like starting 20 years ago where it was like completely... I mean, the landscape of online business has changed so much, even just in the past five years, I would say. And it's crazy. But I agree with you that like 
as someone who likes to learn and obviously like always wants to be learning, which I would assume based on what you're telling me about, you know, the reading and the classes and everything that you are that way as well, that it's just like always this new challenge, which some people don't like because they're like, oh, it's frustrating. Once I figure something out, then everything changes. But I'm like, well, that's the name of the game here. So (laughs) yeah, I love that challenge. I definitely relate to what you were saying on that. And I think I think that's why I like having the different aspects of my business. So patchwork show, you know, like I said, that was how we started. And in the beginning, that was an incredible challenge, (laughs) you know, figuring out how to coordinate vendors for a live event and permits with the city. I mean, it's just all these things that you would never think of when you go hang out at a craft show and show up and do your shopping, (laughs) you know, what happens behind the scenes there. But then once that kind of got dialed in, you know, and, we streamlined that process. It was like, okay, what's next? (laughs) What do we see that our community is needing? And every time that has been the question, you know, what are people asking us for? What do we see that people, that people are needing? And with a patchwork show, we were at the time I had a business partner. We're no longer business partners, but at the time we were putting on these events before our patchwork shows where we would invite our vendors to come and hang out. We both had brick and mortar stores so, that were next door to each other. So we would invite them to come to our, you know, we'd open the doors between our stores and invite them to come. And I would make cupcakes and she would make sangria and the vendors would show up. And then we would have a different person from the community who had a specific area of knowledge. So right. someone who did PR or, you know, knew about pricing or something come and just talk for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes casually. It wasn't even an official presentation and then answer questions. And we saw that so many people were needing that and had so many questions. So we just kind of started thinking, okay, well, what if there was a way to let these people step back from their businesses for a minute, but also at the same time, step into their businesses, you know, through, through taking this break for their business. And that was how our craftcation conference was born. And then all these years later, the club (laughs) was born because craftcation only happens once a year. So you know, it's thinking, okay, how can we give people a taste of this year round, but without being overwhelming, because we know how everybody's juggling so much. And then that was how the club was born. So it's, it's always been this necessity in that we see in the community, but then it presents, like you said, those new challenges, which I mean, (laughs) coming from a world of producing in-person events to, you know, we produced an online event this past summer called Camp Dear Handmade Life, which was a virtual summer camp themed experience where we had virtual cabins that we paired people into. And that was just like every day was like walking into a classroom where I was learning trigonometry for the first time. I mean, it was a lesson in business every day. It's like, okay, what's what's a Kajabi, you know, like where we host everything. Okay. How do we do, you know, a live webinar for this many people and be able to do this and this, you know, how do we launch all these things that, so it's, it is energizing to be able to do that. So I like having some aspects that are dialed in and then having some that are going to be challenges. And those challenges, I feel, let me go back to the things that are dialed in and say, Oh, I thought this was dialed in, but actually now I have a new perspective on this and there's a way I can even, I can make this process even better. 
Yeah. I think that that's true even on like a micro level as a product-based business owner to say like, like I have these things that are working really well and I'm going to dabble in these new aspects of something that interests me or something that caught my eye or whatever. And then, you know, maybe it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, not everything does. And then you can take those lessons and apply them both to whatever you're moving forward with, but also things that are already working and continue to make them better. So how did you get into this to begin with? Like you mentioned having a, a brick and mortar store. Mm-hmm. Was it quilting based? Is that? No. Okay. So <laughs> I was assuming based on the patchworking. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the name patchwork show actually symbolizes patchworking together like the community so it was yeah but yeah it does definitely bring up quilting things for (laughs) sure which makes a lot of sense but I've never made a quilt before (laughs) someday I would like to (laughs) yeah I started so I had a handmade business I was making well before I had a handmade business I was an artist so I was making art and selling it on the boardwalk in Venice Beach (laughs) it was a a pretty intense time in my life. I had dropped out. I was in graduate school for creative writing and I was feeling really disillusioned with graduate school. And when I graduated, I was supposed to, my career option was to teach. (laughs) I was only 24 and there were people in my classes that were much older than I was. And I was thinking, how am I going to teach these people who've been married and divorced and had kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, had career changes and done all these things, how to write about their lives, you know, because I was in a creative nonfiction program and I just thought I need more life (laughs) under me. I need to know more. I can't be telling these people what to do, what to write about, how I just, it didn't feel right to me. I felt too inexperienced. So another time I had started making art with a friend of mine, we were waiting tables at this restaurant together. And after we'd get off work, we would go to her. I was living in San Francisco and we would go to her apartment in the Tenderloin and she had a Murphy bed. So we would pull back the Murphy bed and like lay out all the paints and just start painting. I did not know what I was doing. She was in art school. So she was doing her homework, you know, and stuff for her projects. And I would just sit there and, you know, we would drink like cheap beer and eat pizza. And I would just put paint on the canvas. And then I started collaging and my kind of style just emerged from, you know, from sitting on that floor and not knowing what I was doing. And she was having a like an open studios art show. And she said, Hey, you've been, you know, your paintings are cute. Do you want to make a couple more and put them on like a little corner of my wall at the show? And I was like, sure. So I did. And all of my paintings sold (laughs) and it was such an awesome feeling. And I felt that was where I was being pulled. And so a few other things happened and I ended up dropping out of grad school. I was in my last semester. (laughs) I was already working on my thesis and I left and that friend and I packed up a U-Haul and moved down to Hollywood and crashed like in the living room of her sister's apartment on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood. It was like a one bedroom apartment. I think there were five of us living there. And she and I shared this little like 10 by 10 room that had once been a dining room and slept on a bean bag because there was like no bed in there. So it was pretty rough times going from living in San Francisco, being a grad student. I had this beautiful apartment in San Francisco with these gorgeous bay windows. And I would sit there at my computer and write. And then the next thing I knew, I was like, you know, on dirty Hollywood Boulevard, sleeping on a bean bag. And it was hard. <laughs> and yeah. 
somehow she had found out that you could go sell your art on the Venice beach boardwalk and you didn't need a permit or anything. So in the morning we would, we would do these paintings on these little pieces of wood that we would get like pretty much for free from the discard thing at the lumber yard because we didn't have any money. So we did a bunch of paintings, like maybe 20. And then um, we were like, Hey, let's go down to Venice beach. So we pulled the blanket off of our bean bag <laughs> and um, loaded up some like milk crates with our paintings and stuff and drove in this truck that her ex-boyfriend had lent her that didn't even have a seat in it in the passenger seat. It had a bean bag. So I sat on a bean bag. I slept on my life was a bean you bag. A lot of bean bags in your life. <laughs> yeah. There was no, the seatbelt didn't work. So I had to pull it across and then tie it in a knot. And, uh, we would drive out to Venice. We drove out to Venice beach and like laid our blanket out on the sidewalk <laughs> and set up our paintings there. And tourists came and I mean, we did not know what we were doing. We were very lucky that some of the other artists that were there who there were a lot of homeless artists there and they befriended us and they were like, there's no girls down here by themselves. Like we need to keep an eye out on you. And they really took care of us and we all took care of each other. And I think that that was where I learned about valuing community amongst creatives and artists. Whereas you know, they could have seen us as competition, you know, showing up on their boardwalk and we were outgoing, you know, and we were girls. So tourists would come talk to us and they didn't see us like that. They saw us as, you know, part of the community that we were like these baby birds that they needed to put under their wing. So that was the beginning. And, you know, it kind of went from there. I ended up selling, doing a weekly uh, flea market in Hollywood and then starting to sew, instead of to do paintings, I sewed, I did paintings onto pieces of canvas and sewed them onto purses that I made from old jeans. <laughs> I, like I said, I was very poor at this time. So I didn't really have money for fabric even. So I would, whatever our jeans were that were old, I would cut them up, you know, the good parts and patchwork them together. And then I, you know, started putting all my stuff into a like Tupperware bin <laughs> going around to shops in LA and just saying like, Hey, I'm Nicole. And I make these purses. Like, you know, are you interested in putting them in your store on consignment? I mean, I just, I hustled hard, <laughs> very, very hard. And yeah. it paid off. I mean, eventually I started doing trade shows. I had that line of purses and then I eventually made t-shirts and things with my artwork. And I had my stuff in over 250 stores around the world and I had reps all over the country. So you know, it went from sitting on that boardwalk, <laughs> you know, and not having enough money to buy a burrito to, you know, having a multiple six figure business and many employees, but it didn't come easy. And it took a lot of time. I was going to say, I loved every minute of it, but there were some really hard, hard right. minutes there. Loved like 90% of the minutes of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember one time I had this really old car and I was getting off the freeway and it broke down and there happened to be a police car, you know, that was like nearby. And so he pulled over and he was like, do you need some help? And I just bawled my eyes out to him. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I was in graduate school. Now I'm an artist and I'm never going to have any money and I should just go get a job at a bank. And he was like, ma'am, is there someone I can call right now? <laughs> do you need a tow truck? And I'm like, well, you asked me if I, you know, for, I was like, like, all I needed was someone like, asking me. Did, okay. I didn't really mean, do you need help? Do you need help exactly. with your car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So everything, you know, evolved over time. And then, yeah. That business, I ended up opening up a brick and mortar store called the Craft Kitchen, where we had craft workshops. 
and, you know, carried local artists goods. And then at that time, my former business partner and I decided to put on a craft fair in our town, a little, I think we had like 20 vendors in the parking lot of her store at that time. And it was just going to be like a one-time thing. And then everybody that was there was like, when's the next patchwork show? (laughs) And we were like, uh, it's next spring. (laughs) We do it twice a year, you know, and it just, we just kind of answered as if we already knew. So yeah, it evolved from there. And I just really kind of switched roles from being more of a maker myself to helping other makers create a business that they love to have the same joys that, that I got from it. I love so many parts of this story, <laughs> but one thing that I really want to like kind of highlight for people, and I would say that this is even more true, far more true for you than it was for me, but even for me, like starting nine years ago, selling baby stuff online <laughs> is that there are so many, and I'm sure that you see this a lot too. There are so many people who kind of want that overnight success or they see you, you know, all these years later and they're like, wow, that's really great. I want what you have. But that hustle in the beginning is, and I would say now it's not the same kind of hustle because like for me too, even, you know, when I got started, like Instagram wasn't a thing. Facebook was dramatically different. There really wasn't the social media aspect of it. And so like I advertised in a local bulletin for like moms in my area (laughs) and I went down to a local store and asked them if they would be interested in partnering together because I did monograms and, you know, like, but it was coming out from behind, like now it's very easy to hide behind the computer screen and you can be successful without ever stepping out from behind the computer screen. But some of that grit that you develop in the process of going face to face and actually doing that is so valuable later on, I think. I'm glad that you brought that up. I find that to be so valuable and there isn't anything to replace it. Yeah, There really isn't. I mean, I remember... So I've had some posts on Instagram that have been, I've been vulnerable, you know, Mm -hmm. to post a certain post. And I've sat there and thought, should I post this? Okay, what's going to happen when I post this? What if people, you know, think I'm, you know, this or that, or what if this, or what if that? So I've had that feeling, but that is nowhere near the same feeling as sitting in my car outside of a store that I know I'm going to go in and ask them if they're interested in carrying my purses and sitting in there and psyching myself up to do it, especially when I was like, I didn't even have enough money in my bank account to refill my gas tank. You know, right. sometimes I was like hungry, you know, and sitting in there and thinking, okay, I need to get them, you know, to buy some purses or else I'm not going to be able to pay, you know, my share of the rent on that little tiny place that was, I think, 100 or $200, right. you know, and going in there just feeling like a total mess and having to put on this air of like, Hey, I'm Nicole. And, you know, like walking in there decked out and all the stuff that I made and like waiting, hoping that, you know, the person behind the counter would say, Oh, your shirt is really cute. So then uh, it was my time, my time to say, actually, I made it, you know, I, I happen to have some samples in my car, you know, right. nothing compares to that type of a pep talk. So, yeah. And I think that it's just the you know, because people will say like, I'm so intimidated or I'm so nervous or I feel overwhelmed or whatever. And I mean, I get that we all have those moments, but 
it is that like movement forward, even within that space that you say like, yeah, you know what? Like, it's not like every single thing that I do, I feel a hundred percent confident and I never, ever second guess myself. It's just that I'm okay with that feeling and I just do it anyway. (laughs) Exactly. And that's everything in life. I mean, I will say right now I have an anxiety disorder, so I have been in therapy off and on for most of my life. And I also have obsessive compulsive disorder. So a lot of therapy, a lot, a lot of work on myself. And one of the things that one of my therapists said was, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like you're never going to, the obsessive thoughts, the compulsions are never going to go away. There is no medicine. There is no therapy that's ever going to make them disappear forever and never come back. It's about what you do when they come in and you say, Hey, you're here. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's just like, and it's the same thing for, you know, when imposter syndrome comes up, anything, it's just like, Hey, imposter syndrome. I see you. Thanks for stopping by. We're all good here. Like we do not require your services. You can head on out right now. You can do whatever it is that you need to do to get through that moment. Maybe it's, you have a little note card with a list of accomplishments that you've done, you know, and you pull out that note card whenever that voice pops into your head and you read it, you know, or maybe it's a mantra that you look at, or maybe you have a friend that's a great pep talker, or maybe you have a recording of your friend pep talking you, whatever it is, you have to come up with your coping skill for when that voice comes in and tells you, you know, that you can't do it because you, you have to, it, there it's, it's going to come. <laughs> there, there's oh, no avoiding it. And it does for everybody. Yeah. The people who you see that you're thinking, man, that person has it all figured out. I'll tell you right now, after being in this, you know, this space of being a creative business owner for as many years as I have, I've met a lot of people who I thought had it all figured out. And they don't have it all figured out. You know, <laughs> what they have is they have practiced right. how to deal with those kinds of situations. They've practiced how to cope with their inner critic. They've practiced that and you get better at it over time. But their overnight success is so rare. You just yeah, don't yeah. see what happens behind it. I'm sure that most people who see me have no idea that I, you know, used to wake up at like was three o'clock in the morning when I lived in Hollywood and drive in this super old used station wagon that I had pack all of my stuff in it and drive to wait in line at that flea market to hope that somebody who had a regular spot wouldn't show up so that I could get their spot you know, in the freezing. I remember it was so cold one morning that I actually got my t-shirts, you know, that I was going to sell and laid them all on top of me, you know, as a t-shirt blanket, because it was freezing there, you know, waiting there in the middle, in the, basically in the middle of the night. So we just don't see what's underneath. Yeah. I was just having, um, a conversation with my mom recently about, because I get that a lot too, working with people who are selling on Etsy and have been selling on Etsy for so long. And what I hear a lot, and I actually even have this for people that I know in real life will say like, you know, I wish that I had a business like yours. And I'm like, it's really funny that people say that to me now because 100% of 
the time. Nobody was saying that to me (laughs) when I had toddlers and I was working until like two o'clock in the morning and then waking up at six o'clock in the morning to deal with my toddlers all day because my husband was deployed. You know, nobody was saying like, gosh, I wish I could work. And I was also like making hardly any money because it was a new business, you know? So no Mm -hmm. one was saying, I wish I could work, you know, 12 hours a day in the middle of the night so that I could make $10,000 a year. (laughs) 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 Nobody was saying that to me. And yet, I mean, I get it. Like, because we all also have those moments of looking at somebody else and being like, wow, that's really great what you've built. But hopefully you know, I say, I think that I work hard to do this. And I know you do too, to really kind of show that peek behind the curtain of like, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And I would never tell you that it would happen overnight. And frankly, you wouldn't even really want it to because you would be unprepared to deal with it if it did. (laughs) Yeah. When you said that, that peek behind the curtain, it reminded me of the Wizard of Oz, you know, and when when they finally get there and they look behind the curtain, it's just this guy, you know, it's (laughs) just this guy who's like kind of sad and lonely and like, you know, dealing with his own, with his own stuff. Right. That's kind of how it is. Like we, and I think this, you know, we were talking about social media. I think social media, I hate to generalize about social media, but I think that often people will act like they're giving you a peek behind the curtain you know, like, look at my messy desk here. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so hard. But yet, you know, as they're like holding a, you know, a kid on this thing, and then their coffee in this hand, and you know, their computer under their thing, with like a perfectly coiffed makeup face, (laughs) you know, it's, we're not seeing the real, real stories bother me more than just like, clearly trying to make it look perfect. It's like, it's like the fake vulnerability, like the fake yeah. behind the scenes, because it's like, it's those things that make you say, you know, well, like she's saying that it's hard, but look how well she's doing it. And it's like, yeah. okay, but you're not seeing where like my kid's melting down and my house is a mess. And like this, these other, you know, like, obviously I'm not going to take pictures of my kids screaming on the floor. Like, <laughs> Why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's there and it happens, you know, but it's like, it's like this sort of smoke and mirrors of like, oh, look how hard I have it. But, but I'm still doing it and I'm still killing it. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I think that's why it's, I find that it's so important for me to tell my story because I, I still don't even think of myself as like, you know, when other people, like sometimes I'll be at like our patchwork show and someone will say, Oh my gosh, I listened to your podcast. Can we take a picture together? And I'm just like, uh, I'm Nicole. Did you know who I was? Or you're, are you looking for someone else? Or like, yeah, what's, what's going on here? Um, because I still feel like that girl, you know, with her, bin full of purses walking into that store, you know, thinking, please buy something so that I can, so that I could go to Trader Joe's today, you know, or right. so that I could pay my rent or whatever it is, which I'm glad. I'm glad that I, I mean, I, totally. I still have, I still have that deep hustle. I'm never resting on my laurels. I am working harder on appreciating my success. Like, you know, we just launched the club and, I had a kind of a silent goal that I didn't write down and my silent goal was only a quarter of what we ended up doing. So, and after, you know, when we closed our membership, I, you know, looked at my husband and I was like, I just killed it. (laughs) 
you know, like I need to tell you about how I just killed it right now. Can you listen to me? Can you, yeah. can you listen to me to my own horn for a minute? Right. You know, like I just created something granted, um, Katie Mack, one of my, you know, she's on my team. She's our operations manager, does a bunch of other stuff. Like she and I created this together and I'm like, you know, Katie and I created this out of nothing, you know, and set this goal, my silent goal. And, you know, it was only a quarter of what we did. Like, okay, time for a little backpack. Now sit down and get your butt in the chair and get to work, you know, and and thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important to do both, like to be scrappy and humble, but also to toot your own horn, you know, when you have an accomplishment. I totally agree. And I tell students that I'm working with all the time, because a lot of people will, especially when you're surrounded by people who are like a little bit farther along than you like. So some of my newer students will come into the program and they'll be like, I know that this isn't anything for a lot of you, but I'm celebrating blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, don't qualify it. It's a bit, you know, like everybody's there at some point. Everybody is a beginner in some part of their business. And in some, like, you can't get to the next stage before, you know, before you move through this part of it. And you don't have to qualify, like, don't downplay what you're celebrating, regardless of what that is. Even if you're striving for that next thing, take a second to recognize what you've already done. Yes, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Nicole, this has been a really great conversation. I've enjoyed hearing your story and hearing about all of your history in this handmade world and everything that you've done with it. It's kind of amazing. So thank you so much for doing this today. And where can people find you online? Thank you for having me, Lauren. It's been great getting to know you and hearing about your scrappiness too. I love to meet another another business owner who started things back in the day, you know, a while ago. Yeah. So people can find me at dearhandmadelife.com. That's dear, like you're writing a letter, D-E-A-R, handmadelife.com. But you can just Google it and head to our website there. And then we mostly hang out like all creative people are mostly hanging out on Instagram. So you can find us, find us on the grams, but we send out a newsletter, a monthly newsletter that I put a pep talk in every month. So if you, if you enjoyed my stories, <laughs> you should subscribe to our newsletter because I basically write a story every month in it that has a, a inspiring pep talk at the end. So that sounds great. Thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thank you.